Welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Wednesday, September 15th, 2021, and I'm Justin Nielsen, your host. And of course, as always, every week joining me is Arusha Paris from O'Neill Global Advisors, portfolio manager there, the other part of this dynamic duo. Uh, welcome again, Arusha. Thanks for coming on. Hey, it's always great to be here, Justin. And as a special treat, we have one of the former colleagues at William O'Neill and Company, Mary Ellen McGonigal. Now, Mary Ellen is a president at MEM Investments Research and also the Senior Managing Director of Stocks at Sumpler Trading. So welcome to the show, Mary Ellen. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to see you again. It's been about 10 years, I guess, since we've seen each other in person, uh, something like that. But you, uh, you worked with William O'Neill and Company for 15 years. And uh, of course, one of the things in your time there, uh, being in institutional sales, you were going out talking to institutions and you were part of that weekly call of Bill O'Neill uh, that was happening. Uh, yeah. So you got to hear a lot of lessons directly from him. So uh, we're looking forward to you sharing some of those lessons with us uh, and our, our listeners today. Sounds great. Yeah, I look yeah. forward to it as well. So we'll go ahead and start with, as always, a little bit of a look at the markets. Uh, then we'll get into some of those lessons, again, that Mary Ellen has learned and this top-down approach that she takes, looking at the sectors, the industry groups, and then using that to kind of inform her decisions on stocks. And of course, we'll get some ideas from Mary Ellen on stocks themselves, um, particularly what industry groups she sees coming up now. Uh, so let's go ahead and get to it. Uh, Mary Ellen, uh, we really have been kind of pulling back a little bit in this market. And it's it's been interesting because it just seems like it's a buy on the dip mentality um, and that the market will never go down again. That's what people are thinking. But you were there at William O'Neill and Company back in the late 90s and 2000 when that buy on the dip mentality kind of, uh, it, it worked until it didn't, right? It, it evaporated absolutely at one point. And as a matter of fact, Bill, while there, I can recall in 99 in particular, one of the more animated meetings, it just really struck me. And Bill informed us, there were about 12 of us in the room. And he said, what you're experiencing right now in 99 is historical. You're not going to see this again in your lifetime. And boy, was he right there. Yeah, it was amazing. And certainly during that period, you could buy in the dip, but uh, not not into the first quarter of 2000. Right, just just a few months later, and and that could have been a recipe for disaster. So um, here's a chart of the Nasdaq. I'm sorry, the S&P 500 index, and. Again, what we've seen here is this has hardly had more than a 5% correction at any one point. And here we are again, seems like today, getting support at the 50-day moving average line, a nice bounce today. Uh, do you think this is another opportunity? I do, yes. I have a weekly newsletter, and it's the MEM Edge report. And in that report, I did suggest that you could buy on the dip. The growth prospects, the backdrop is still very, very strong. And so on these kinds of pullbacks, and we've certainly seen at least seven this year. And yeah. those pullbacks really, again, that economic, particularly after second quarter earnings have been released, the backdrop is super strong. So to see anything more than a typical pullback, I think we would need to see something very substantial in the way of greatly reduced GDP outlook or other uh, growth prospects. 
And with all of the Fed taper talk, uh, you know, it seems like that's one of those wall of worry type things that the market is climbing right now. I mean, there's also some weak, weak data out of China. Um, so I guess, you know, you mentioned some of the economic factors that you're looking at. Is there anything on the chart you feel that could give you an edge in terms of telling you, hey, this, this might be a bounce that doesn't work? Um, what, what is it that you're looking for maybe on the chart? This will ring true to you, I'm sure, but anytime we see a break below that key 50-day simple moving average, that's when that yellow flag is going mm -hmm. to uh, turn a little red. And uh, that is always the line in the sand, of course, for both the broader markets and for individual stocks. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Arusha? How have you been kind of handling this, uh, this market? Are you um, getting a little bit more aggressive now or uh, did you stay aggressive and just said, hey, I'm gonna hold through uh, this pullback? You know, I, I didn't stay aggressive uh, when, when the market was moving up. I try to make more of a conscious effort to lighten up on mm -hmm. some of my stocks uh, and sell into strength because uh, I've, I've never really been great at that. So I was like, let, let me force myself to, to lighten up a little bit, take something off the table. And, and so today, by the end of the day, I, I started to add back some uh, to it. Uh, Two, two positions added some new uh, new new stocks that were starting that are starting to form the right hand sides of bases or have pulled back to key support areas, kind of like the S and P is doing here. So uh, I agree with both of you. This is as long as this character stays intact, and this has been going on for you know a long time now. It's over a year, really. I mean, we only really broke the the fifty day back at the beginning of march yeah, for uh, a day but, yeah for a day exactly <laughs> right. then we came back uh pretty quickly but uh as long as that's there you have to assume that the character is intact until you see a true character change uh well, let me just quickly switch over to the nasdaq i was just too, gonna say we... let's take a look at the nasdaq because you know this had a little bit more of a struggle around the 50-day moving average line around that march period um and right. you know there was a lot of kind of i don't know i you know, maybe a correction through time, a little bit more substantial uh, of a correction there, you know, whereas the S&P 500 hasn't done much more than 5%. This, this was approaching 10% on the NASDAQ at one point, um, you know, from that first drop uh, in mid-February to the March low, it was probably about 8% 8, 8 or so. Um, so uh, does that kind of inform your decisions at all in terms of where you're, where you're putting your money, Mary Ellen? Oh, absolutely. We had some tough goes there with the NASDAQ in that March period. A lot of that was the FANG, the mega cap stocks. And then into May, it was higher interest rate inflation fears. So yes, there was definite uh, difficult periods there with rotation around software to mean one industry grouping. But more recently, if you look at the NASDAQ, it's really holding in remarkably well. And I would argue it is beyond the mega cap bang stocks that we are seeing great strength in other areas as well. And, and do you look at the breadth at, at all, uh, like an advanced decline line? Uh, not, I don't look at that. I mean, I, I look at it more from a bigger picture, but I know that you probably have some uh, accumulation distribution, maybe metrics that you mm -hmm. would use, but breadth is actually bigger picture. You, of course, want to see all and more industry groups 
participating as a way to keep and continue to buoy the markets. So I look at breadth from that regard. And so when you, when you look at breadth from that regard, it, it still is pretty narrow. I mean, maybe it's darn and broadened out a little bit, but that's really been one of the concerns over the last few months, especially we were, we, uh, it just seemed like all the money was going towards the, the mega caps, the tech stocks. And meanwhile, underneath the surface, there are a lot of other stocks in the mid caps or small caps that were, were getting hit and, and plenty of stocks falling below their 200 day moving average. That's true. Yeah, small caps have struggled, no doubt about it, uh, by and large. So I mean, I, go ahead and show the IWM here, which is the iShares Russell 2000 ETF, um, which uh, did did cross below the 200-day moving average. I mean, the 50-day moving average line yesterday and got back above it today. It's been getting support at the 200-day moving average line. Um, so, do you, do you do you feel like small caps are participating again, or are they still a little bit on the ropes? Yeah, they're, they're all about that recovery play. So today we did see industrials and materials, mm -hmm. a lot of those recovery type areas coming back into vogue, if you will, not in a tremendous way. So that small cap arena is going to be in line with that. So if we get more of a sense of an economic, uh, as far as expansion continuing, ideally we would like to see small caps, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, one of the things I've struggled with personally is that it, it seems like some of these rotations, you know, you, you mentioned how uh, there was strength today in the materials, a lot of the steel stocks, um, oil was doing well, industrials, uh, financials even were, were participating. Those, those were some of the, the bigger gain, gaining sectors today. Um, but it seems like the, the favoritism can just change day to day. And um, how has that I guess, maybe changed your outlook or the way you approach things when sometimes it's, it feels hard to get much of a long-term trend in something. It feels like there's these shorter trends that are happening, uh, bubbling underneath the surface, I guess. I did get into bank stocks in particular last fall, back in uh, November 15th, arena, mm -hmm. October 22nd, and then add it. So I uh, was able to participate at that time, but then exited those stocks in May as they began to break down. And when that sector group breaks down, that break below the 50 day into June, got rid of all of the bank stocks. And then only recently have very selectively gotten in, not so much banks, but more into the Goldman Sachs, those right. financials that are more diversified and not uh, regional banking per se. And, but overall, I'm not, for me, I'm not gonna play those moves back in unless I see more, as you were saying earlier, more participation. So uh, that's what I'm gonna be on the lookout for. And energy is looking tremendous, by the way. Yeah. About recovery, uh, I, I did put one stock on a couple of weeks ago, but um, to any of my subscribers out there, I'm gonna be adding three more today. Okay, <laughs> so uh, a, a little a little projection there uh, for, for for folks, and and we're going to be dropping this tomorrow, so uh, they they check their uh, they check their emails on that. Um, well, when we get back, uh, we'll go ahead and talk about some of the ways in which you were able to identify the sectors that were looking the best um, months ago, and of course, we'll look at more of these sectors that you're seeing appear on your screens right now. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Kicking yourself for that early exit? 
you can prevent them and it's easier than you think. Go to freestockcoaching.com to see the tool independent traders are using to perfect their trades, artificial intelligence. AI doesn't involve staring at your screen for hours and no research is needed. Just pick a stock and press a button. Visit freestockcoaching.com to see a live demo now. You need to be ready for rapid market changes and AI can help you avoid potential losses. Check out freestockcoaching.com to learn more. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Paris and our guest, Mary Ellen McGonigal. Uh, Mary Ellen is someone that you can find on Twitter at MEM Investments if you'd like to kind of connect with her, if you like some of the stuff that you're hearing from her on today's show. Um, but Mary Ellen, again, thanks, thanks for coming on the show and uh, let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about your approach, um, we've been talking with some people on the show here lately that have been doing more of a bottom-up approach. They look at the stocks and that kind of informs them of what industries to look at and uh, what they think of as the health in the market. But you take a, a, a different approach. You take a top-down approach. Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So my approach at the very beginning of my research process is to take a look at those 11 sectors in the broader markets. I want to see uh, I want to see where the relative strength, where the relative outperformance is. That's where I want to be fishing, if you will. And mm -hmm. then of course the health, take a look at those charts. Are they advancing, forming the right side of bases, proceeding higher or otherwise. So from there, then I very quickly can assess those sub industry groupings. MarketSmith is a great tool for that, where you can not only say, gee, retail's kind of faltering, you can really zone in precisely where. So from there, I will then go and uncover stocks, those that have those high growth prospects that are in demand, that are rising on volume, so yep. um, that's... Well, can you maybe give us an example with um, how you maybe use this in the last year? Oh, sure. Absolutely. It's been, a, it's always been an integral part of my work. So in the very beginning of the year, there was this period of continued uncertainty with uh, so that the broader markets were struggling overall, yet there was a carryover of energy and financial stocks into certainly into March. Mm -hmm. So that led me to stay with those bank stocks, with those energy stocks that I had picked up back uh, October and November of 2020. So that was the real growth to my portfolio, to my list, and then sprinkled in there were other uh, groupings as they came in to favor. So for the most part, the beginning of the year was a continuation rally of those recovery areas. And then as we proceeded, I think I uh, provided a bar chart from March on, you can see now uh, that first chart is the beginning of the year and you mm -hmm. can see energy and financials very clear cut outperformers. So that uh, those charts that looking at the relative strength guided me to stay with those stocks. And then as the year progressed, as we got into March and beyond, we did see other areas come into play. I think there's another bar chart there and yep. Yeah, so in fact, it technology and healthcare, and this had a lot to do with those companies starting to come in with Q1 numbers uh, within healthcare, a lot of medical products. So again, being able to uncover those 
sectors that are exhibiting strength and money flows, and then from there, pick the uh, top candidates. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, as, as you were saying, the, the, the energy, the industrials, some of those that were, were the biggest winners, um, those became the biggest losers, right? Oh. Uh, so energy yeah. was down, you know, of, of course, again, part of that rotation. But um, let's, let's back up a little bit here, though. Um, you, you were kind of sharing how you were uh, adding to some of these areas um, at, at the beginning of the year in January of 2021. Uh, but how, how was it that you started picking them up uh, in October and November? I mean, it certainly, that was an area where I, I felt like at least, you know, in September, you know, we had come up so much in 2020. We took that break in September. Um, and then, you know, we were going sideways for a while. And the question was, okay, is, is that it, you know, or are some of these technology stocks going to continue? What kind of led you to, hey, I'm, I'm seeing something happening in energy, and I'm seeing something happening in the financials? Oh, my gosh, great question. The number one driver, what was beginning to occur, where these companies were coming in ahead of estimates, ahead of earnings, as very depressed estimates, and mm -hmm. other factors that were coming into play as well, after Pfizer was pre-approved or uh, emergency approved for right. vaccine. Vaccine day, November 9th. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So we did see uh, an outflow out of bonds into stocks, so interest rates started to rise. And then also going into the pandemic, uh, there were mandates for these banks to be very fully capitalized. There was no uh, idea of how this might end. So the banks uh, were, were fully capitalized. Also in their earnings reports in that November period, they were saying that their default rates were low, were going down and their outlook, uh, the management for these bank stocks, uh, FITB is a good example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, they, Fifth Third Bank Corps. Uh -huh. Yeah, they came out with numbers. They were 35% ahead of estimates and 30% uh, ahead of estimates around November 15th. They came out with super good numbers. We're guiding higher going into next year. And then, of course, for me, I needed to see that financial sector, XLF, turn positive or else I would not be convinced that this move was real. So we did get that gap up uh, following the Pfizer news that was confirmation. So from there, I added uh, SIVB, mm -hmm. is, uh, SVB Corp, yeah. uh, and RF, and, and uh, probably about four or five names that did go on to super great heights into June before uh, removing them. But, it, but again, that earnings, those earnings reports were the biggest driver. Likewise with energy, uh, and also each of these industry groups were the worst performers going into Q4 last year. Uh, I believe bank stocks were down 27%, just a huge number. The outlooks were dismal. So they were very ripe for the picking, if you will. So energy stocks, same thing, where they started coming in with really uh, good numbers. DVN was one of the first names I picked up back there. Uh, it did go on to gain 128% before we took it off the list. But that same phenom where it had that move up in response to earnings, and then XLE, the industry group, was confirming a move. And then, of course, you like to see that increased volume during that October, uh, November period back there that mm -hmm. is uh, confirming that downtrend reversal if you move over uh, to uh, November. 
Uh, yeah, so so Mario, million on Devon Energy right there. Yeah. So this this is where on on November November ninth is where you were adding uh, Devon Energy as it was gapping up here. Uh, or, yes. or did you wait a little bit later I until waited. it got past the thirteen twenty five? Kind of kind of like almost like a double bottomish kind of thing. I did wait. Yeah, actually, okay. it was later. It was around November sixteenth uh, that okay. that was added. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So that, that you're getting over. So so you waited for you started seeing confirmation in the the sector, but mm -hmm. you're still letting the each individual stock. You're you want them to get over some kind of resistance establish some a little bit of an uptrend at least before adding it to to the list right and then coming in with numbers that were well ahead of estimates yep. and promising outlook yeah now let's talk a little bit about these numbers because uh you know some folks might be listening to this and they're like wait a minute this you know mary ellen was listening to bill o'neill for 15 years and <laughs> was buying things that didn't have you know earnings or didn't have great earnings how how does that fit in can slim so what was it you know, what was it that you learned from Bill that kind of allowed you to project what was happening a little bit with the earnings before uh, it became, I guess, more obvious? That is such a great question. And I would tell you that it has a lot to do with my background as far as working with these institutional mm -hmm. money managers, all about looking out two months, being proactive, not waiting for that print and uh, again, using the charts in conjunction with that. And on the institutional side, we did have a, I believe it's still there, a very, very premier institutional idea product. And mm -hmm. it was not unheard of to have energy stocks in there, materials stocks. So it was an area that uh, I was not afraid to wade into knowing the uh, potential upside once yeah. they got, got going. And you saw Bill do it a few times. I did. <laughs> right? that, yeah. that, that helped. Yeah. 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 I, I think I remember what was it in like 2000, 2005 or 2004, something like that, where he was buying Valero VLO and yes, you know, all yes. these oil stocks. And I'm Absolutely. like, what? This, is, this isn't, yeah, th yeah, this isn't cancel. I mean, even in 2008, he was all over, uh, you know, uh, Continental Resources, CLR in CLR. March. And, you know, so yeah, it's certainly, uh, you know, it was one of those things where he would always go where the strength was. And yeah, you know, so to go, go a little bit the... more into that, Justin, where and, and Mary Ellen, where what, what what was Bill saying at that point saying, OK, this is why we're going into these commodity type of stocks that are, you know, they're, they're not the traditional can slim. Well, if you look at some of these, uh, maybe I guess a weekly wouldn't do it, but they actually were coming in. There were periods where the numbers were real. They were coming mm -hmm. in very good. I can go back and think about the drillers uh, mm -hmm. and, and different areas. So despite that they are not that pure growth play, they yeah. were coming in with very substantial numbers. Growth was there. Yeah. And, he, and he was still using chart patterns and right. things like that as a reason to get into you still ma managing his risk if it went against him and think all that stuff right mm -hmm. absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and there was also the economic thesis right you know at that time yeah. um you had 
you know, China and India, there was a lot of infrastructure that was going on. You had, you know, I mean, I remember a lot of the steel stocks back then, you know, yeah, uh, Schnitzer right. Steel and, and titanium, exactly. yeah, you know, and uh, uh, there was a, an aluminum company uh, of, of China. Um, that, oh, ACH. Uh, yeah, ACH. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah oh, <laughs> Mary Ellen's like, oh, there memories, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Here's ACH. Yeah. yeah that's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember that, the, 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 again, during this time period, it was, you know, that's what was working at the time. And, and again, there was an economic thesis behind it. So back to your kind of top-down approach, you know, oh, you identified, hey, there were some sectors that were moving that were showing strength. And then it was right. just a matter of drilling down to those individual stocks to find out, right. okay, and who are the true leaders here? And we can't ignore the price of oil. So what happened in last right. fall, it was at about $45, but akin to where $70 per barrel for Brent is the benchmark now. 50 was that big, if we can only get to 50. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we did, we got to 50 at the end of last year, which then propelled the, that group uh, into the new year. Sometimes those psychological numbers make a big difference, huh? Yeah. And, and well, and one other key thing is that even as Bill says, even in the book, you know, 25% of the companies are going to be turned around or, you know, it, those are just going to be the stocks that are in favor. Yeah, the model book, you know, right. referring to the model book stocks. Exactly. Yes, those yes, are the yes, ones yes. that are these, you know, big leaders, uh, you know, because again, he's gone back a hundred years, uh, you know, for the leaders of each market cycle. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes they're the turnarounds. That's it. And this year in particular, we haven't always been paid to uh, chase, if you will, or you're never paid to chase, but uh, base breakouts have not, have not always worked. So turnaround has been one area, even outside of uh, these recovery stocks. Yeah. And since we've been pulling up a lot of MarketSmith charts, um, I do want to let folks know, hey, uh, you know, we've been having free access week on MarketSmith. And that's one thing that, you know, you still have a little bit of time to take advantage of that free access uh, after this podcast drops. Uh, your, your time is going to be running out. But uh, Arusha, where can people uh, go to to get that information? Well, you, you could go to marksmith.com and, and there'll be some information there, uh, or even investors.com. There'll be some links for Marksmith free access. Uh, and you'll have, since you're listening to this on Thursday, you'll have uh, Friday and Saturday to be able to check it out. And, and uh, I think you just have to enter your email address and, and then you get a chance to open up the charts and, and take a little spin on, on IBD's premier product. Yeah. And of course, you know, having Saturday, a lot of people talk about their weekend routine. Yeah. Um, Mary Ellen, could you maybe share with us um, what your weekend routine is like? What is it that you yeah. do um, on the weekends to kind of prepare for the next week? Great question. I can think back, Mike Rinaldi, you would uh, plop a big box outside of my door for 15 <laughs> right. years every Saturday. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, uh, uh, two big goodness. books, right? Uh, or oh. you know, probably two big books and some data monitors if I'm... <laughs> You're absolutely right. There were yeah. about ten or 15,000 charts and I would just... <laughs> people would be watching football. I'd just be going through the charts. Just but page now, after page. Uh, uh, I, I do put my newsletter out on Sunday. So my mm -hmm. weekends and, and really probably every day with the markets. But uh, as I go into the end of the week, I'm going to, again, start with those sectors, map out those bang stocks. What are they up to? Those sub-industry grouping, software, biotech. Where are we? What did we see last week? And what's starting to perk up? But uh, Saturday and Sunday is all about uh, 
putting it all together. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to listen to a little bit of what Mary Ellen has put together recently. What kind of top-down sector approach, what is she seeing now that can maybe help you for the next few weeks or months? So stay tuned for that. Why trade off hope and optimism when you can trade using the world's most powerful indicator? Artificial intelligence has been used by traders to navigate the markets for the past three decades. Visit freestockcoaching.com to see the world-leading AI forecasting software for yourself. Trusted by more than 32,000 traders, AI uses millions of data points to track market trends, giving you the support you need right now. Go to freestockcoaching.com and we will help you find great opportunities today. Our experts will show you what stocks are setting up for big changes right now. So head over to freestockcoaching.com for a free demo. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Vantage Point. It's Justin Nielsen, Arusha Paris from O'Neill Global Advisors, and Mary Ellen McGonigal from MEM Investment Research. So Mary Ellen, uh, before we get into what's on your radar now, maybe we can talk a little bit about this shift where tech came back into favor. So what was it that yeah. happened that that allowed you to recognize that shift? Yeah, so again, it's all about looking at those money flows. And so we did have that fallout with interest rates rising, inflation fears, but tech did come back. And it was uh, probably in that April period when we started to see tech come back into play. So then from there, of course, you want to be able to identify the sub-industry groups so that you can participate. And I think I provided a chart that shows the S&P 500, and that's the green line. And then you can see the red line is the software ETF, and it's very clearly outperforming the S&P. Uh, of course, technology and software in line. So from there, of course, you always want to then identify the top candidate, that leadership name. So from there, uh, that top line is Adobe, A-D-B-E is the ticker symbol. And that was one of the stocks that I put on our list April 9th. What you'll see is that the company just before reporting earnings, it did come back into play. It moved back above resistance and that's taking us to that, uh, actually June, you're absolutely right, June 9th. Mm -hmm. And so what we saw at that time was a base breakout. Take a look at that huge volume characteristic. And this was ahead of earnings. I very rarely put stocks on. Going I was deep. just gonna ask you about that. Like, you know, how scary is that when it happens right before earnings? And I did in that, uh, I did specify, hey, if you're going to get in, keep your position light if you're risk adverse or wait until after the numbers, but this stock is ready to go. And mm -hmm. so we can see that it had that base breakout two days later, it reported very stellar earnings and it is still on our list and it's due to report earnings uh, next Tuesday, actually. And they got it. Uh, what happened today was a big Morgan Stanley price target upgrade. And when you see these analysts right before earnings putting in price target upgrades uh, or general upgrades, they're not going to do that unless they have some sort of insight that uh, you or I might not have, because really egg on the face next week if the company doesn't come in with good numbers. So I'd pay attention to that a lot as well. That's interesting. A lot of times when I see analyst upgrades, I get I'm kind of the other way. I get a little bit more suspicious of that. Well, if 
now if they're if the stock's already taken off, now they're trying to catch up to it. Right. Because they're they're seeing the stock kind of run away. But but sometimes, you know, I'll I'll see analyst upgrades and it's it, it will create excitement and then all of a sudden that's probably close to some kind of short-term top and then and then the stock might take a, a little bit of a break. And that's actually a very good point. If you look at the stocks that have gone on to greater heights after their earnings, it's going to be PANW. It's going to be those down and out names that surprised that are mm-hmm. really going to give you that extra. Um, so great. There it is. Uh, we're looking at PANW on the daily and it broke below its 50 day just before. Right, right, right. Yeah. And some of these companies lately have been really you know, coming out after their earnings, I mean, some really big moves. I mean, you're talking 15, 20% or more sometimes. Is that, uh, when you see a move like that, is that something where, okay, the valuation is changing so much because of whatever they announced um, that you feel like you want to participate in that? Or is that something that you generally wait on? No, so that's a great, so DKS is another stock from my MEM Edge report. Exporting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we had it on prior to uh, their prior quarter earnings where they gapped up. Mm -hmm. And so subsequent to that big gap up, great numbers, management guiding well into next year higher. So from there, uh, there was about a two-week period where I kept saying, you can buy it, it's going higher. And it it was because I did something I would not do with institutions, but I drilled down to that intraday chart. And when you can, wow. uh, <laughs> I know a 60 minute chart <laughs> and using a five and a 13 hour moving average. And okay. I'm, t- I'm telling you, it is, I mean, it, it, uh, Chipotle, all of those gaps up, it can really help you, uh, as guidance, Nike. Yep. Just get a little bit fine tuned there. Uh, so, okay. So enough of this past talk, let's talk about the future. What yes. is, what is on your radar now? What are you looking at? So yeah, within technology, I know it's been a little bit dicey, but, but if we could take a look at SOXX, that's the semiconductor, uh, broader index, and you'll see that it has been indecisive to say the least, mm-hmm. but more recently firming up very nicely, poised to break out of a nice two week base there, huge volume characteristics, KLAC had a nice base breakout. And uh, again, those volume characteristics as it broke out are very constructive. Now, at this juncture, it certainly is extended, I would look for a pullback. When these stocks get going, I tend to put a five day moving average in and that becomes a pullback to that becomes an ideal buy point, but that one uh, certainly looks ready to take off. Uh, We can also take a look at a manufacturing stock, ON. I just Mm -hmm. recently added that one and uh, it, oh yeah. So that had that nice gap up last week and we can see that it is poised to potentially trend higher. I'd like to see a little more volume on this upside, but the growth prospects for this year, 191% over last year. So you really can't argue with that. And then uh, let's take a look at ASYS. Now this is super small. It's a $170 million company. Okay. Um, but I just couldn't ignore it. Uh, actually, I <laughs> wow. um, was looking at this today. Okay. Well, anyway, on, on Monday. Uh, so if we look at this now, the company did come out with 
news that they had in August, the month of August, they had record bookings for their products. So there is a driver there. Uh, they also came out with very good earnings, 400% year over year back at the end of July. But during that period, these equipment stocks were not in favor. Now, and both of these looked like they were breaking out on Friday of, of last week. And this was not the best market. I mean, the market was pulling back, um, you know, this whole time. And mm -hmm. these stocks were just not. And, and Arusha was doing a great job uh, for, for people that are watching the video. Uh, he was showing how the volume, uh, especially on KLAC that we're seeing right now, um, just really ramping up in a big way above average volume as, as that buying came in. And you're absolutely, obviously, spot on, because, of course, when you see stocks that are bucking any overall downtrend, tech uh, last Friday was a very tough day, but when you see these stocks powering to new highs on volume, you have to pay attention, because when they do come into favor, um, ASML has been another big uh, winner for- Yeah, uh, it just keeps on going. <laughs> for MEM Edge report. Um, but it too is hitting a new high. Now they have a product that only they produce. It's based right. out of the Netherlands. So that gives them uh, that really coveted ability to uh, provide solely. So mm -hmm. yeah, a moat, pricing power, you, you name it. Uh, yeah. But again, that volume, yeah, last week on Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, any, any any other sectors that you're you're looking at? And again, this this is a great one, especially because um, uh, you know one of the other things that Arusha was doing here was he was pointing out the relative strength lines on a lot of these and the relative strength lines, which is comparing that stock to the S and P 500. Um, you're just seeing these really, you know, go, going in a uh, a very strong trend up uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of. Is that something you pay a lot of attention to? Sure, absolutely. That's going to be that relative outperformance that I mentioned that I want to mm -hmm. see in that stock. And then, of course, that relative strength hitting a new high as the stock price does confirming the uh, that relative strength. And uh, that's all going to be part of the puzzle, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, another area we can take a quick look at if you want to pull up uh, XLV is healthcare. Now, the overall chart is not going to look good. It's heavily weighted in pharma and a lot of these big pharmas are suffering but back taking a look I talk about those sub industry groups if you pull up IHI and that is a medical products uh, medical device ETF and you can see that it has been a real relative outperformer and it had that nice base breakout back there at the end of May and it's all about earnings a lot of it is uh, very uh, people like to complicate investing, it can be simplified in the sense that a lot of these medical products are catering to an aging uh, baby boomer, a lot right. of heart, heart device. And then of course, with COVID and uh, diabetes, DXCM mm -hmm. uh, type, type of names that had a pullback this week, but are uh, revert, you know, coming back on. Yeah. And uh, what was uh, Tandem just got added to an index, I think they, they jumped yeah, quite a, a nice bit. Yep. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, between the diabetes, uh, the, the heart issues, um, right. yeah, you've got a lot of these that are, um, and, and while we're on the topic, I mean, you, you were bringing up how EW uh, was, was another one of your big, big winners. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, still have it on our list. This is a stock that came out with super Q1 earnings back in April, and we can see that it had a pretty big advance. So at that advance, uh, we did put it on the watch list because it was stretched mm -hmm. and waiting for that pullback. And it did, it pulled back to that 50 day. And then once it breaks back above those shorter term, simple moving averages, the uh, 21 and the 10 day, that is your key to get back in because the numbers were really phenomenal and then you had that volume on that pullback reversal so mm -hmm. yeah. well mary ellen it was great talking to you again uh it's that it, you just gave a lot of great information and uh hey thank you for plugging marketsmith too uh so <laughs> as a reminder for folks uh you know Wait. we do Am I Go not ahead. gonna get it? I'm not gonna get a check for that. I <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Your check is in the mail. <laughs> so, uh, it's not Arush, a very big Arush, check. Yeah, Arusha will drop that off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was really nice chatting with you again. And again, Likewise. just as a reminder for folks that uh, yeah, we do have that free access for Market Smith. Uh, for a few more days here. So you can take advantage of that and uh, uh, certainly take a look at some of the webinars that we have so that you can, you know, learn about some of the things you can do on, on the, on the platform because it, it is very powerful in terms of screening and uh, just pattern recognition, everything. So um, Arusha, did you have anything else that you wanted to say on that? No, once again, you can just go to investors.com, marketsmith.com. There'll be information there how to sign up for the free access. It should be pretty quick and easy, and, and you'll have a few days to go and incorporate it into your, into your routine. I think the, well, very, very quickly, the, the, the big things, get familiar with the charts. We've shown a number of charts here. Uh, and then just use the stock ideas button and, and maybe just use the first few lists. We have a breaking out today. We have a near pivot. I would just focus on those uh, initially just so you can get used to uh, how powerful the platform is. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, again, Mary Ellen, thank you so much for being on um, with your Twitter handle, that's again at MEM Investments. So for people that would like to connect with Mary Ellen and uh, kind of get some of her insights, uh, that's the place to do it. And uh, that's it for our show this week. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope you join us next week. Thanks a lot. And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com slash podcast where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.